Hello Survivors and welcome to First Aid Spray. Welcome to a brand new series, the first installment in something that I think we're calling now that's what I call survival horror. <laughs> I'm joined <laughs> I'm joined by Sherwin who you can hear there. Yes, hello. Thanks so. And uh, we're I think about it should, to... I think it should, oh, sorry, I think it should be now. Sorry, now that's what I call survival horror. What else could we call it? Absolutely, I've put it on record now, so it has to happen. Done. I've put it into the universe. Cool. This is something that we've wanted to do as a part of First Days Bray in general, and me and you specifically for a while. It's find a place to talk mm. about Resident Evil music, and there was a bit of thinking on how exactly we go about it whether that's just like a big full-length podcast episode and and then originally i came to you and said let's do a top 10 countdown sort of editorial video instead it's become a sort of short form podcast conversation and the two of us are going to talk about the soundtrack this in this particular installment for the original 1996 resident evil um sherwin has picked his top 10 favorite tracks from that game and we're going to talk about those as always, with everything like this, just putting it out there, it's a personal list. Sherwin picked these himself. This is his personal opinion. Whether you agree or disagree, you know, we'd love to hear about it. Any chance we get to talk about the music. So fire up that comments. Let us know what you uh, thought was missing from the list, what you would swap swap around by all means. But yeah, it is a personal list. And uh, yeah, this is the ball rolling on a, on a new series. And we'll see where we go from here. Um, plan is to cover the majority of the soundtracks and see what happens. But uh so Sherwin, uh, let's let's get started. You're starting at number ten down to one. So what's the number ten slot? Uh, so number ten is finally the two met. Uh, so I guess I guess the starting point uh, we should probably start off with. Um, perhaps this isn't relevant to the final in the two met, but I think the the first point to make about the Resident Evil One soundtrack is it's much more orchestral, I think, than some of the games that followed. Mm. Um, I just want to quickly jump in there before we get into the list too much because I, I hadn't realized I hadn't realized quite so much because you kind of get used to these things um, until I actually went back and listened and and it kind of blew my mind. It's it's not necessarily even. It's not necessarily even the orchestration that's happening. It's more, sorry, the instrumentation. It's more about the way that the actual tracks are put together. Right. It's more about the way that that people have approached. Um, you know, it's sort of they actually approach actually composing the music and actually bringing it forward. There's a lot more going on in terms of uh, layered kind of melodies or harmonies or or even kind of instrumentation kind of running through. It, it's much more traditional in its build. So it's really interesting for RE one. Um, and then having said that, sorry, Dom. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, that's very true. This piece in particular, and I know that's going to come up several times with a few of them, but this one in particular is um, in contrast with video game music that would have come before this time, it's much less rigid, especially this track mm. is, I wouldn't call it lackadaisical, but it's very laid back and the way the notes sort of flow off, it doesn't fit like a very beef bap kind of like classic Mega Man music structure. Do you know what I mean, it's not just 4-4 four, four on the floor. Um, there is, yeah, a sense of actual classical music to this. Yeah, absolutely. Bonus points for four four on the floor. Um, <laughs> tremendous, tremendous reference. Made me very, very happy. Um, yeah. So the first one is finally the two met, uh, or number ten, I should say. And if I'm entirely honest, I think this is going to be one of the unexpected tracks that mm. people won't that people won't be thinking will come up. It's definitely one of the short ones. And I think for me, and obviously we've talked about it being subjective. 
One of the reasons I like this so much is because it really feels, it really reminds me, it's really reminiscent of the original PlayStation. Mm. Uh, the synth instrumentation is extremely evocative of that first wave of PlayStation games that came out. Um, you know, we all got way, way back to stuff like, you know, Crazy Ivan and, and you know, definitely sort of, you know, going back way, way, way back, as you can tell from that release. It's exactly the sort of sound that you heard from what these things were. But also, just going back into a, in a Resident Evil world, Pink, uh, sort of a direction. What's really compelling about this track is the gentleness um, mm. that arrives once the strings start. There's this tangible sentiment of relief that accompanies the idea of Jill and Chris meeting again, but also because it really does feel like a safe haven. Bearing in mind, obviously, the player at this point has been creeping through the labs. They've been kind of fighting off various different enemies, chimera, zombies, all sorts of things. You know, this is really a safe haven from the nightmare outside. And I think this song, I think this track, you've got me doing it now. This track really encapsulates. I think that that whole feeling. Yes, yeah, relief was the word that I wrote down. Definitely, um, especially because mm. you don't see the other player character in your entire campaign up until this moment. Whether you play as Chris or Jill, this is the first mm. time you come across them and you know getting to free them from the cell. It's a big part of that sort of arc of getting the best ending, if you like. Especially if you're playing through the first time and you've just picked whichever character you've decided to play as, and then you're seeing your other character finally at this point um yeah i thought it was a really interesting choice but uh you've got a couple well, of them on this list i'll say that much yeah right <laughs> i i couldn't be completely obvious because otherwise that's uh, right well where's the fun I, in that? I, I, yeah right <laughs> i tried i tried to pick the i tried to pick the ones that i think genuinely introduce something interesting mm. um you know more interesting than others or really um encapsulated a specific feeling for what the game was mm. um and i think I think this is definitely one of them, and this one, I, as said, it's quite unexpected. But, but yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it. So that's all good. So um, moving on, uh, number nine is Requiem. So, I think. I think for Requiem, it, it's one of those ones where you should only really hear this, and it's interesting you said about the good and bad endings, mm. if you did think badly. Um, so it's it's not one that if you blasted through this and got a great ending first time and never looked back, you'd ever even hear. Right. Um, but um, but this is something which, for me, um, is one of the most power, emotionally powerful pieces um, in the entire game. Uh, it's the piece that accompanies Barry Burton's death. And right from the start, this track is really conveying, obviously, the tragedy of what that moment is. What's really interesting is um, it's it's the dramatic, it's the supporting instrumentation in the background. It adds this dramatic sense of urgency. This isn't a track. This isn't a reflective track where it kind of it sort of plays very slowly and very calmly and really kind of hits you in the feels in the traditional sense, is what I think a lot of people would be used to now. It's something where if you actually listen to it, there's this driving beat in the background that doesn't ever quite let you settle. It doesn't quite let you really come to terms of anything because ultimately, you know, you're experiencing this and you're either running away from hunters that are trying to, you know, basically kill you, or alternatively, there's a, you know, the lab's about to explode or whatever else. There is this sense of urgency that goes with this as well as the tragedy, and those two things really combine um, to the point where it just feels. I mean, I'm going to use the term again, but it just feels uncomfortable listening to it. It feels very, very visceral. I mean, obviously, it kind of really, really builds up as the to a finale as it goes through. Um, 
Yeah, and I think basically it's something which really just doesn't let up whatsoever. And that, for me, even at the late stage of the game that it occurs, is really interesting because you think you've heard everything, you think you know exactly what's happening, and then the game just suddenly hits you, bam, with this thing, and it just takes over. Yes, I I would agree with a lot of that. You know, as you say, a lot of people probably haven't heard this music. I haven't heard it in a very long time. Um, I can't speak for everyone, but when I replay this, I just will always aim for the best ending. Why, why wouldn't you? I, I want to mm. save everyone, right? Um, and I think a lot of people who are like newer fans, if they were to go back and play the original Resident Evil, they're probably just going to do it the once. So they are probably going to follow a guide or whatever, or, or, or happenstance, come across the best ending and probably, yeah, not hear it. Um, and what you said about it, maybe not punching in the feels in a way that music would these days, in the sense that it's not delicate or anything like that, it is much more driving is more powerful because of the way that it plays out on screen. It's not just Barry slumping over and that's it. You you pick up. He gives you a photo of his family and a message that he's written, and it it instills this sort of drive of okay, we it got to get vengeance for Barry. You know, got to do right by our fallen comrade. Mm. It's not just about the the tragic sadness of Barry's death. It's you have to do something about this. Um, this might be the most genuinely cinematic sounding piece in the score for me, and I think. Part of mm. that is the fact that it doesn't have to loop or anything like that. It doesn't rely on any loop. So it is just sort of like 35 mm. seconds of build. Mm. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think it's... I, I, I agree. It, it's something where... What's really remarkable for me on this as well is you see a lot of your buddies get killed over the course of Resident Evil and some of them even come back to bite you afterwards. Mm. But um, but this is the one that has the most, uh, most drama to it by a Absolutely. long, long way. So... Uh, cool. Well, moving on then from that to uh, a slightly more upbeat, well, no, massively more upbeat track, <laughs> is uh, number eight, which is Concealed Passage. And uh, I will admit, this one is the one that I think even Sai probably fell off his chair looking at the uh, <laughs> looking at the list, appearing on the list. So this one is completely out of left field, and this one really is for the jazz fans out there. It's a really schizophrenic track with so many ideas crammed into such a short loop. And the best part about that short loop is it literally is a boulder rolling down a you know rolling into a wall and breaking a hole, and that's it. It, it's it's not a big event in the game. It's not something which mm. is really you know super dramatic or super key to the plot or anything. So the obvious question is, how did it make the list? Well, it's super unique. It's got the same orchestral writing of all the other tracks, but in the game, but it honestly just doesn't really fit whatsoever into Resident Evil at all. Um, there's hints of just how much stuff used to sound or how much music used to sound back in the day um you know it could be you know i can hear elements of zelda in this i can hear elements of castlevania in this i can even hear elements elements of kind of like Mega Man in this it's, <laughs> it's, it's got this incredible mismatch of different styles and so on sort of rammed in there and what's really important is you know one of the reasons why i think i put it on this list is resident evil doesn't will never sound like this ever again it departs so heavily from the survival horror theme is this sort of really interesting glimpse of what the world looked like before Resident Evil, 
and then what the world looked like aside to look like after resident evil because the, it really defined new things and, and resident evil itself of course went off in a diff- very different direction which we'll cover a little bit later uh, on i find that highly amusing considering that this piece of music plays as a boulder rolls by like sort of like the passage of time <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't even thought of that, but yeah. <laughs> the boulder obviously being, you know, a huge villain in the Resident Evil series, as you see it first in mm. this game, it comes back in four, four, and then you finally defeat it at the end of five. Um <laughs> lovely language. Absolutely lovely language. <laughs> yeah, this I mean, this is definitely a weird one. Like you say, it's uh mm. I don't have a whole lot to say about this one in particular, but it's funny that you say all that because I can hear Something in this track which ties it, even though it's very different to a lot of the rest of the soundtrack, it ties everything into is there's these weird sort of discordant noises in the back. There's a, some sort mm. of scattered melody, some other melody happening in the background, which is going to come up in, in future tracks. Uh, that's what I picked out most from this. But yeah, very interesting choice nonetheless. <laughs> no worries. So number seven is Narrow and Close. So I think we're definitely into more familiar territory now for survival horror fans. Um, this is the obviously the track from the basement, um, not the clown version. <laughs> yeah, and yep. it's um, it, but even so, even without it having creepy clowns, it's deeply unsettling. Mm. Uh, it really doesn't ever let the player rest. It doesn't ever let the player get used to it. It's got jagged slices of sound bisecting this already discordant soundscape that just doesn't really sound human or familiar in any way shape or form even the even the strings which kind of come in at some point um yeah they provide a little comfort they're more familiar from what you've heard in previous tracks but but at this point they, they really come in at the edge of earshot they rise in unsettling patterns and then they are suddenly cut off again by yeah. the sort of jagged slices of sound um i think what's really interesting is is this is something where it's a track that represents the player descending into the darkness of the basement. Yeah, that that, that place in traditional cyber horror games where you really don't ever want to go. Now, why would you ever go into the basement, you know, deep into the ground where you can't get out? And it's it's extremely powerful from the first few seconds onwards. And what's really awesome is that, you know, it's but at this point in the game, you've kind of battled your way through most of the mansion. You've kind of fought your way out to the guardhouse. You've killed a giant monster plant that wants to kill you. You've you've you know, you've kind of come back, you've encountered hunters. At this stage, you're feeling pretty duty about, you know, well, I can take on anything in the world. And then suddenly, now you're just saying into the basement and there's this really scary music. And at that point, you're, and I'm not, yeah, and I'm not a dude at all anymore. I'm now scared. (laughs) I'm terrified once more. (laughs) Yeah, this, I thought I'd seen everything this game has. And obviously, it's even more remarkable considering that, and I'm sure you'll perhaps mention on this, um, there's not actually anything all that scary down there. Right. That's exactly what I was thinking is, yeah. There's some zombies or, or some hunters. I think that's really the only mm. option you got. Okay, hunters can be threatening, um, especially in closed quarters. But it's, yeah, after what you've been through, you're right. But it's just the power of atmosphere, isn't it? It's just, mm. goodness me, I, I completely agree. This is one of the most threatening pieces of the entire soundtrack. It's just, mm. it, I don't know how it rides this line of atmosphere. And yeah, it, it's like violent. Like the synths, the mm. way they 
they just bam bam they 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 are so sudden in the way that they appear and the way they're cut off as well like you said they just suddenly stop um something else i just love about it's not even necessarily the music but the name narrow and close sums it up wonderfully mm-hmm. like everything that you've faced beforehand and yet just the idea of being in this dark cramped space is is also a, a type of fear of its own uh this is one, one yeah this is a hefty one this is one i always think of when i think of the original soundtrack mm. um definitely that that starting synth noise that comes up especially just screams resident evil to me which is so funny um because on a mainstream perspective of course when you say resident evil basement yeah everyone's going to think about you know <laughs> the clown flatulence but yeah well, this is yeah, yeah i think that's else. what's really interesting is that that itself made such a such a remarkable point or point in me. I can actually hear those clown noises in my head right oh, now. Oh, absolutely! Um, they they have stuck. They are more horrific than this track. It unfortunately <laughs> never be. They're, they're never going anywhere. Yeah, but, but um, uh, thankfully for us, we're not we're not ranking the uh, Jewel Shock soundtrack. <laughs> no, no, no. That's uh, we'll leave that one to uh, Adam. But um, that's <laughs> yeah. fine. Um, it's a side side. I know we'll get we'll get onto that at the end because I'm sure uh, I can convince you to get me back for a Gaiden soundtrack. One of these, I can't wait for that. Is there ten songs um, in the I, soundtrack? I, I, I don't know if we could actually make that ten. That might be a short <laughs> segment. Um, so let's move on. So uh, number six is Peace of Mind. So I will be the first to admit that I'm not a massive fan of two different themes in Resident Evil games. Uh, one is Save Room themes, and the other one is Countdown themes, hmm. um, which is one that you probably expected to be on here. But um, but I think this is certainly one of the best Save Room themes in the series, and it's definitely welcome on this list. Uh, I always I always hear this, and it's really evocative to me of this warm and steady light and a calm place. It really paints a picture of you know of a safe haven in any room you go into in the game and this starts playing you just feel safe you you don't ever have this hint of uh okay danger is around the next corner or anything else at all it, it feels like you're completely safe and that's obviously something which which actually later resident evil 2 and 3 really played on when you kind of have what you think is a safe room when you get into the gun shop and kendo gets dragged out the window or alternatively when nemesis crashes through the church and the safe music stops for example this this is the first time that you kind of really feel like you've got an oasis but what's also cool about this is it's it's one of the few tracks in the soundtrack that's quite minimalist in terms of how it's actually in this construction so it keeps a very simple loop uh, it doesn't really introduce anything new to challenge you because obviously challenges are for outside of this safe haven mm. yeah in terms of enemies and, and horrors and all sorts um and there is something there is a hint of something sinister uh, which is nice. It doesn't quite relent. There's a little bit of a hint as it goes off, which kind of, you know, it's it's the familiar uh, refrain we'll come back to with this soundtrack, which is drawn out notes. It's kind of got that hint of something eerie, something slightly terrifying that reminds the player, hey, you're safer now, but that's temporary. You are mm. going to have to step outside of this door again. And when you are, that thing, that, you know, that's got that long drawn out note, that kind of zombie groan or whatever, that's still out there waiting for you. Yeah, I think this one has less of the threatening aura than perhaps the later ps1 entries it is really just how those notes hold on mm. um this more leans into the 
feeling of serenity to me but it is there and this is the yeah this is the baseline for the for the save room themes because i think the later ones uh, and part of the th- more threatening balance that they bring is just because of they're much more complex this as you say is really just two things it is just those long drawn out sort of synth choirish sort of sounds and then those repeating four notes basically or whatever mm. it is it's, it's like a harp or, or whatever you want to I, mean, I guess it's a synth or whatever you want to imagine it on but the save room themes is just it's it will perpetually be and i'm sure this will probably come up in later installments of this it will perpetually be something that i could never pick the best one but this is this is right up there just the oh. simplicity is is wonderful and it's one and yeah we just talked about one of the other songs that i think of immediately when we talk about resident evil one but this is just a song that i think of immediately when i think of resident evil as a whole not just the first game this is it's almost like a theme song in my head for uh, the original resident evil if not the series yeah cool well i'm glad i put that as you know the lofty heights of number six <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's move on so um number five is Flooded Corridor. So, I think... I think Flooded Corridor, despite the fact that it's only number five here, has to be one of my favourites across the entire series. Mm. Um, I think I think there's very few tracks in in any of the Resident Evil games which better encapsulate the setting as what this one does. Um, and what, one of the most interesting part about that is the instrumentation, rather than being an accompaniment to your visuals and in sense of it's giving you a, a theme or a music, you know, yeah, sort of sense of musicality over the top of everything you're there you're seeing there. This in on this particular track. Flooded Corridor really almost emulates the sounds that you can't, you know, the, the sound effects, the actual, you mm. know, the drip, dripping water, sort of strange echoes, wind rattling through air vents, that sort of stuff. It really, it's actually bringing that to the forefront rather than adding any sort of hints of, or sort of sense of musicality that you might see in other tracks we've mentioned so far, which is really interesting. But at the same time, of course, it, it's super eerie. It doesn't quite let the player settle down. Um, even though it is a relatively calm track, considering it's a track for, you know, when you're outside and you're fighting zombies or whatever else, or more precisely, you're underground and fighting zombies. And when the dripping sound retreats, for example, and leaves the player with the sound of the choir, uh, the sort of a sort of soft, soft, sort of spoken uh, voice kind of thing, you could be forgiven for holding your breath as you mm. wait for something to jump out of you, because there is that sense of build, build, build. Suddenly the, the dripping is gone and you almost go... Is is something coming, kind of thing, and then, yeah, slowly, slowly, walks you back to where you need to be again. It's, it's a real masterclass, I think, in terms of how to how to kind of make something that really perfectly gets there. And as a side note, it really reminds me of Super Metroid. Um, <laughs> Excellent. Never a bad thing. I love Super yeah. Metroid. Yeah, there's a touch of uh, John Carpenter in this one to me, which is funny because I always when I think of that. It's more like the later entry, like Resi 2 has got more of that influence. But there's some of that in here, definitely. Um, yeah, this is deeply terrifying, isn't how I would describe this. Just a masterclass in it, in fact, because it is, and I just said about notes repeating, this one, it has the same four notes over and over and over again until that point, like you said, where it stops and just leaves you hanging just before it carries on again at the last second, just 
those four notes. And then there's so much stuff going on beneath it. There's, as I mentioned, this weird discord and other melody that just seems to be doing its own thing. And listening back to this and the, the proper soundtrack, and we talked about this off mic, the less compressed PlayStation version, but the actual version that was written, there's a bell sound that just gets so intrusive. It gets louder and louder, and it's completely offbeat with everything else as well. It's, yeah, it's heart in the pit of your stomach kind of stuff, this track, definitely. And I think mm-hmm. the, the strength that it really shows, because when the remake of Resident Evil came out... Um, I felt like a lot of the soundtrack was more inspired by the original game's kind of tone rather than remade tracks. There wasn't a whole load of them that they went, well, we'll just reorchestrate those or whatever. This is one that basically came full sale, I think, into the remake, if I remember rightly, or it's at least much closer to the original than a lot of the remake soundtrack is. So that, if nothing else, that definitely says uh, how it stood the test of time. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I can't say more about this. Um, and I think it's probably a fairly strong statement about the next four then, in which case, just yeah, a rough idea sure. of just how strong they are to not edge this one out to position five. Um, so track four is Concrete Bound. So if Concrete Bound, sorry, if Concealed Passage had a foot in how game soundtracks used to sound, Concrete Bound is definitely a nod towards where the series will be headed. It's, again, as we've talked about a couple of times before, it's a very simple but extremely effective loop uh, where a synth creates a sense of aftermath that we just hear again and again in Resident Evil, you know, in Resident Evil 2 and obviously definitely Resident Evil 1.5 that mm. didn't quite make it. And... I mean, again, and yeah, let's deep dive into that. You know, minimalism, non-traditional instrumentation. You know, kind of replace strings and orchestral builds. Um, it creates this very cold lament. Uh, laments, I think, like it's almost something where it'd almost be comforting if it wasn't for the deeper sounds at the edge of your hearing. It's it's something where there's this idea of. After, I, I, I'm going to come back to it again. It's it's definitely the aftermath. Some disaster has happened. Some some emergency has occurred, and you're kind of creeping through the debris or the or the the resulting kind of destruction. Sort of really seeing it, and it's unsettling, and it doesn't feel like you're in immediate danger. But at the same time, there's this definite sense of something could be waiting around the next corner, or it could be. Yeah, there's almost this kind of in your head. It's almost like walking over broken glass, kind of looking around at this devastation for you. And I think. And I think it really, really works for the labs, for the laboratory. Mm. You've kind of gone through the mansion, you've gone through the gardens, you've gone through the guardhouse, everywhere else. And now you're here in the labs and there's this sort of sense of, okay, so I'm at ground zero, effectively. I'm, I'm where this thing all went wrong and it's quiet and it's eerie, but what what is there? You know, kind of almost this sense of, I want to explore and understand what's happening here. And you almost have a moment to kind of, you know, you're in the eye of the storm. Everything else spilled out from this place and just left this kind of crater for you to explore. Yeah, I think it's really interesting how different the lab um, pieces of music in general are from the the mansion. It shows that sense of progression because they are really differently approached. Um, and less is more is such a, you know, we can probably use that phrase many times about a lot of this. But this is a wonderful example of 
just knowing when enough is enough. You could have gone crazy with something like this. You could have added some extra bells and whistles, but this really is as simple as it needs to be. It's 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 not. It's there's enough there to sort of let your mind wander. It doesn't want to tell you too much via the use of the music. It it just telling the sort of baseline of the story of the structure of the place that you're in because it it's so synonymous with that sort of square corridor in my head you can feel the sounds sort of bouncing off the the concrete walls which again appropriate name for the song concrete bound uh yeah just i love it how it stands out as sort of part of that journey the the difference from where you started yeah and what's really interesting actually is um something i realized listened to it a couple of times um you know in preparation for this is there's a lot of familiar bars and themes in this that are actually from uh, the main mansion tracks, which we'll get onto. I wondered later that. On. Hmm. Uh, they are actually the same structures, but they've obviously used different instrumentation to kind of layer it in, Excellent. which is one of the reasons why, even though it's very stylistically different, it yeah. feels cohesive as part of the main whole. Absolutely, which is really interesting. So, uh, moving on, and we are coming to one of the more unusual track names, which is number three, "Vacant Flat." So I don't know who lives in the vacant flat. I don't even know where it is in relation to anything. I know it's in the guardhouse, but I don't know. I, I don't know where you know who, who owns the flat. <laughs> but, Good old um, umbrella landlords. Yeah, right. Um, no, so I, I placed I placed this one here. It's it's an odd one. I could have probably put this one a bit further up the list, uh, as in sort of further down the list, as it were. But I, I thought it was quite nice here because it, it's a nice. It manages to effortlessly create a sound which is which manages to be eerie, manages to be mysterious. Somehow it's also quite familiar. And it's a nice bridge to other sections as well, which really amplifies what they're doing. And that is no mean feat to combine all of those different things into one track. Mm. Yeah, this is very much a bridge. It, you, it's not the main guardhouse thing when you first get there. You, you, know, you kind of arrive in your, you arrive in your, uh, in your guardhouse, you kind of wander around for a bit, it leads into this. And this is when you're sort of exploring some of the rooms and so on, and you're really kind of you know, discovering diaries and, and you know, kind of some of the stories of what happened here. And it's, it's the first time you really start to deep dive a little bit into sort of you know the, the lab instance and so on, I think, and when you start to get a slightly greater sense. So as a result, it kind of leads nicely into that sense of suspicion that sort of taints mm. the cutscenes in this, in this location with Barry and Wesker where you're understanding that not only is it's around the disaster is something where you need to kind of find out a true story, but also what's happening with your teammates. And then you've got the higher register stepping structure of this track as well, which leads you really nicely into the flooded corridor track. If you sort of, you know, what you actually go underground. Um, but then those same steps, when they sort of fade back, you also have this pensive pause that keeps you on your toes, you know, and there's like a sort of, there's a low kind of bump that happens and it almost feels like, you know, it's a, in a weird way, it's a precursor to uh, to Mr. X in Resident Evil 2, where there's a sort of footsteps following you, I guess. But there's it, it gives you this idea that there's some sense of trepidation out there in the darkness. So, yeah, I um, what you were saying about reading the diaries and unraveling things is very very accurate. I think um, 
some of our friends over at the Resident Evil podcast talk about sort of the perspective of this first game almost being like a detective story, like a mystery. And this song is very much the one that feels like that the most to me because it's got these these two melodies, the way they sort of like weave in and out of each other really gives that mystery feeling. These It's like pizzicato strings and bells and stuff that should be soft, but the way that the melodies sort of, yeah, weave through each other. And they're, again, they're soft instruments, but they're orchestrated in quite a threatening way. Every note is kind of intrusive, as we said with previous ones. Um, and that's how the, the dread is created, I guess. Uh yeah, I, I really yeah, love this really, one. I, I really love this one. Yeah, really, really good way of saying that. Um, I, I really like the language you've used there. That's that's the perfect way to describe it. Um, it's it is a very aggressive way of using some of that language. Uh, sorry, some of that um, music, music sort of the notes and so on. And it's mm. very, very it, interesting. It's, it's really stuff good. that that shouldn't be used aggressively. That's why. That's what's yeah. off-putting about it. Yeah, which I think leads us nicely um, into number two. So number two uh, actually has two tiles, uh, is the depth slash far from the sun. So I will be the first person to say that this was insanely close in my head as I really wanted this one to be first, but I couldn't quite put it up there, which I'll get to the reason for in the next entry. Um, this might have to be one of the most harrowing Resident Evil tracks I have ever heard, bar none, across all of the games. It has this deeply inorganic and discordant bass that just really simmers and it pulls at your nerves throughout the entire thing. And it interjects these this horribly this horribly unnatural monstrous breathing sound over the top of the whole thing, and then just for fun, this sharp metallic stabbing sounds that kind of that quite frankly would just laugh at most horror movies just in terms of how they sound. That I kind of get the right. mental image of of all the vertical. Um, I, I think back to Hitchcock and I think of all the in um, in Psycho and I think of all the vertical lines you can see in the movie that he's put into the movie as you watch it through kind of give you an image of what the knife yeah the descending mm. knife and it's very much the same here with that and yeah just to top it all off as as the breathing stops in this track you then have this really alien mechanical almost heartbeat kind of dance across the entire scene it really does feel like you're being pursued by something and i think this is really for me this is the jumping off point where i think resident evil 1.5 definitely i i you know, sort of had those very harrowing images of um, you know, the police station with all the dead uh, officers around and, and kind of in the early footage. Um, I think this is definitely kind of closer to the vision of what 1.5 was. It's it's just this unrelenting, terrifying, predatory track. I can't say en- I can't say enough more about that. It's just terrifying. Yeah, it's uh you talked about Eye of the Storm for Concrete Bound. That's exactly sort of how I felt about this, you know this is such a great representation of what it must feel like to be at ground zero for everything that you've faced up to this point. You know, you've reached the belly of the beast. Um, and this is exactly what it should sound like. And again, as you said, 1.5, that is probably 
the direct the direction the music should have taken because now that that belly of the beast has blown wide open and affected you know the whole of raccoon city so uh good shout on that one yeah just like concrete bound just brilliant use of sounds just hanging in the air just uh, like oh. so it creates such this thick atmosphere fantastic use of empty space i can't say anything more than you have already um but yeah damn i didn't even think about that when you were when i said hey pick 10 this was not one that i thought about but when i heard it i was like yeah absolutely this should be this high up this is such cool. an underrated piece of music cool so then it got beaten by one by number <laughs> one which it to be see to be fair to it number one is secretly i think three tracks in built into one into one <laughs> uh, we're gonna we're gonna choose the first one which is number one wandering about Now, I think this will be immediately familiar to anyone who's even looked at the back case of this game, <laughs> quite frankly. I mean, there's just no doubt here. Anybody who played Resident Evil back in the day at all, bar none, will tell you how the mansion tracks still haunt them. They will just instantly remember that that, that feeling, the lingering notes, the... The, the orchestral mm. builds everything else i mean this is a you know the, this is a track which is far more orchestral than the series would typically become and it's considerably more mournful everything else in resident Evil is much more urgent much more pressing for the most part which is why when you have a track that isn't that it kind of stands out and i think in like the marshalling yards for resident evil 2 for example where they kind of almost have a slightly different feel to them mm. and um, what i think is interesting about wandering about is this track dances a really careful line between establishing a recurring theme, which we've talked a little bit about with Concrete Bound, um, and I'll get onto in a second with a couple of the other sounds, uh, supple of the, uh, excuse me, teeth back in show, and a couple of the other tracks. Um, but it creates something which you're going to hear again and again throughout the game as it goes through, but at the same time just never loses its impact. It always feels something which just feels unsettling it feels haunting it doesn't you know it's it's not welcome you never want you know this this kind of sound goes on and it just plays at your nerves the entire time and i mean obviously the other tracks i mentioned they are night begins and queer structure which is another slightly funky name um <laughs> but i mean effectively they're all variants of the same theme which mm. is if you want to give resident evil its its theme this is it and they really employ different instrumentation different accents and if you look at Wandering About, the reason why I put this one here rather than one of those two is Wandering About is the most moving one for me. The higher register of the of the strings and the instrumentation pulls at my mind a bit more effectively um, and sort of is more resonant and sort of stays with me for longer than the deeper and more brooding night begins, which is a touch more relaxed. Um, and then obviously you definitely have when you come back into the mansion after going out to the uh, after going out to the guardhouse. Um, and you have uh, queer structure where it's the same effectively as wandering about, but adds in some strings, uh, sort of some. Um, yeah, I don't know the right term for it, but it's got some strings in between there. It's got some, yeah, it's definitely got some sort of like layering to it, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. It. And I, I think, and I think that gives you more again that predatory presence um, that that sort of sort of sim simmers into that. But I think for me, wandering about is kind of the key, core, resonant, ex powerful experience that anyone who's ever found resident evil this one is really what sets it apart from not only other games of the time but also sets it apart from all of the other resident evils mm. 
it's literally that simple. This one for me is is if you were to ask me, if you were to say to me Resident Evil soundtrack, this is the first thing I think of. Yeah, I can completely understand that. And this is a wonderful example, as you say, of what it was doing different to other games at the time. The sort of, I mentioned it at the top, you know, classical feeling rather than just video game feeling. It's it's kind of loose. Those strings sort of slide around a little bit. Um, it's slow and it's ominous, but it does have pace to it to keep you moving around. But it, it's not all about intensity and rushing around. And yeah, mournful is such a wonderful word for it. It's a, it's bizarre. What an interesting choice. And I wonder what exactly led to the decision. Um, because there's so many sort of spooky music tropes they could have gone with for it. what is essentially, when you boil it right down, you know, scary ghost house. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been done in so many things, right? You're in a big um, empty building and anything could be out there is if you wanted to boil it down to its pure essence. So you could have some really generic music, but they went in such a different direction with it. It's the mournful part is what makes you think about, you know, what happened here? Who did it happen to? How has this affected those people who you're now seeing wander around undead? It connects everything together. The song connects the location to the enemies, to the story, um, and which makes it extra wonderful that it stands out and is sort of part of, what you immediately think of with the soundtrack. Also, I suppose, because you hear it a lot, because you're running around the mansion a lot. At this point, mm. as 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 harrowing as this, the score can be, because obviously you've heard it so many times, when I hear this now, it just brings me great joy because of nostalgic warm memories, but it absolutely mm. shouldn't, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it's... it's Yeah, I, I'm now wondering, just listening to you say that, whether you could put this over the top of Luigi's Mansion and see whether <laughs> it transform that game, you know? Um, but no... Uh, I agree. It's not. It's not quite something you want to walk down the aisle at a wedding to, but it is a familiar <laughs> friend to most Resident Evil fans. Absolutely. And um, but yeah. Um, so that's that's the list. It that's is. Uh, that's my Resident Evil ten list. I should quickly jump in if I can mm. um, and say there is an honourable mention uh, okay. on this, which is going to be the Moonlight Sonata. Yeah, I think uh, that's I, fair. The, the Moonlight Sonata. I really couldn't in good conscience put in this list because it wasn't created for Resident Evil, uh, which I don't think will come as a shock to anybody. <laughs> um, but it is a piece that I really should mention because it really so perfectly fits the game. Mm. Um, and it was an excellent choice to put in there. And it's very something which I think is very, very evocative and um, wonderful. It's, it's it's a weird one, actually. It almost fits into the same sort in the same way as what uh, Final Fantasy would put in Eyes on Me. And I can't remember the track in Final Fantasy VIII, and I can't remember the one, in, uh, the name of the one in Final Fantasy IX. But it's it's got that weird kind of slightly disembodied from the main soundtrack, almost like this is your rock star uh, track to kind of right. drag in people who aren't familiar with things. <laughs> but um, I, I definitely I think it should be an honourable mention, but I couldn't quite in good conscience put it in the main list. I love the idea of dragging people into Resident Evil on the promise that there's a Mozart song in there. All those Mozart <laughs> fans, you're like, you should play this game. Mozart composed for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, new, un, un for now a uh, B side. Um, yeah, that no one knew about. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was excellent fun show, and thank you for joining me. No thank you, thank you for awesome. your excellent list. Um, if you enjoyed this discussion, please let us know in the comments below. And as I said, let us know what you would have included in your top 10 list of the classic 1996 Resident Evil soundtrack. And is it the classic? Is it one of your favourites? Is it not? Let us know. And make sure you subscribe to stay up to date with everything that we do. Um, other than that, 
Thank you for listening and have a good week.